Welcome to the Pigskin Pulpit. I'm your host, the Sideline Statsman. Today, we're going to give you a recap of preseason week two for the NFL. Starting with our top stories of the week, Jimmy Garoppolo and the San Francisco 49ers. He looked a little rusty in his opening, and he hasn't been performing well ever since he came back from his injury and was cleared to throw again. Could there be something up? Will he be ready by the time regular season starts? We'll find out soon. Ezekiel Elliott with the Cowboys. The drama just keeps getting worse. After a strong showing from Tony Pollard, things are starting to heat up down in Dallas. Is Ezekiel Elliott in trouble? We'll find out. And finally, Andrew Luck with the Indianapolis Colts. Is their luck running out early? I mean, think about it. Andrew Luck is injured, and he may miss the first few games of the NFL season. Is there any one of their backup quarterbacks who could save the team and keep them upright? In one of the most difficult divisions in the league? We'll find out. Now, let's get started. Top story of the week here. Jimmy Garoppolo. He is my number one story. Simply for the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo has been seen as a savior for the 49ers organization. He's seen as the franchise guy. The guy who's going to do everything right for them. But for some reason... There's something wrong. After two straight years of injuries, which have led to disappointing turnouts for the Niners, even though he did find a hidden gem in Nick Mullins last season, Garoppolo is back. And automatically, Niners fans are excited. San Francisco's up on their feet. They're ready to go. They're chanting, let's go, Niners, all in the streets. They're ready to make a run for the West. First of all, let's calm our jets here. Jimmy Garoppolo has been struggling in practice to even... Complete passes. He cannot hit people in stride the same. Something is off with his arm. And it's funny because the season-ending injury he had last year had nothing to do with his arm. So why all of a sudden are his passes off? Why is things off? Immediately you think, he's rusty. That's all it is. He just needs some time to get back in the groove. That could be the case. Or we had to think about his performance Monday night against the Broncos. Now, just for the record, that was one of the worst games I've had to watch so far. Out of all the film I had to evaluate and watch over for week two, that was the most painful one. Garoppolo looked more than just rusty. He only completed one of his six passes and threw an interception in the one drive for the Niners. The only thing that kept the drive alive was the running game. That was it. There was nothing else to be said. So, it only leads to one question here. Could the injury have affected the confidence for Jimmy G? In my opinion, I don't think so. I think Garoppolo hasn't thrown in a while. I think he's just been living his life. I don't think it's something major to be concerned about now. I think over time it'll get better. But how much time do the Niners really have? They have to get hot fast. And if they don't, they may get trampled in the first week of the season against Tampa Bay. They have to be ready. If they're not ready, they won't succeed. They're going to fall down in the bottom of the division early, and they will not get themselves back up. 
So Jimmy G needs to get his act together soon. Or the 49ers could be heading home early. Now, I'm a believer in Mullins too. Picking up the slack. But at the same time, he doesn't have that franchise player attitude that I would find in Garoppolo. Garoppolo had something when he first came over to San Francisco that I hadn't seen before from a backup. And I really hope that he gets back in that groove because he is just a phenomenal player. I mean, the way he reads past coverages and is able to avoid pressure is great. But I think he's a little he's a little fearful. So his confidence may have been sh- shaken a little, but I don't know. The way I think of it is Jimmy G needs time to get himself back into the game. So I think after the preseason's finished, he'll be back in the groove and the Niners will be fine. But only time will tell. Things could change in a, in the blink of an eye. Speaking of which, let's go into the next story of the week. This one is the one that everyone's had their eyes on for the last month. It's Ezekiel Elliott. Why Ezekiel Elliott? Let's think about this carefully for a second. The Dallas Cowboys are powered by two main people. Dak Prescott, their quarterback, and Ezekiel Elliott, their running back. Why is Ezekiel Elliott so highly regarded? It's mainly because Ezekiel Elliott is one of the best running backs in the NFL just like Le'Veon Bell was. Now, I'm going to compare this situation to the way that Le'Veon Bell was in Pittsburgh. He wasn't happy with what was going on. I can tell you now, Zeke is not happy being in Dallas at all. The only thing he likes about being in Dallas is Dak, because Dak is like his best friend. And the two have such a great relationship that you don't want to break that, and he wouldn't want to. Is the only reason he wants to stay with the Cowboys. And if I'm wrong, I'd like Zeke himself to tell me that I'm wrong. Because I'm not going to believe it from anybody else. The Dallas Cowboys have always been a good team. They have not... I can't remember a year where they were absolutely atrocious. Where they had a top five pick in the draft. I can't. But what I can say is that without Zeke, I don't know if they'll be the same. But... I watched over the Cowboys and the Rams game. And I saw this kid start breaking past defenders and finding gaps and making plays happen. And I would say to myself, who is this kid? I've never seen him before in my life. I had to look him up. And who do I find out it is? Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard's a rookie and he was he's highly regarded in from the combine about how quick he is, how he's shifty. He's easy to break tackles. Like a lot of these running backs were in this draft. That's what a lot of teams wanted was someone who breaks past defenders and shakes off tackles. That's what they want. It's like a hybrid of a fullback and a running back. You have the closing speed of a halfback, but you have the power of a fullback. That's what they want. Now Pollard has that. I saw a little bit of it. In fact, this game was absolutely electrifying. I mean, I wouldn't go so far as to what Jerry Jones said, but I would say that he did a great job for the game, and he's looking to get a starting role if Elliott doesn't perform. Or if he doesn't sign a contract, he continues his holdout. I mean, Pollard ended up finishing the game with five carries for 42 yards and a touchdown. That was only on one drive. 
But Pollard impressed me very much. And I think he has a shot because this can go multiple ways. This can either ruin the team altogether if Zeke holds out and they trust this kid and the kid doesn't play the same. Or it could end up like James Conner. James Conner would have never gotten the shot he had if it wasn't for Bell holding out. Bell held out, Conner emerged as the next star for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And he's going to be the future of that team. An era ended in Pittsburgh, but a new one's being ushered in. For Pittsburgh, it was Antonio Brown, it was Le'Veon Bell, and Big Ben Roethlisberger. So, that being said, they lost Antonio Brown, and they lost Le'Veon Bell during the offseason. Now, Juju Smith-Schuster jumps into the spot of the receiver, and James Conner jumps to the role of the running back. So now it's a new era already for the last couple of years of Roethlisberger's career. Here with the Cowboys situation, think about it. In terms of the players, who was the main guys for the Cowboys years ago, before you had Prescott there, before you had Elliott? Who were the guys? It was Tony Romo, Jason Witten, and both Marion Barber and DeMarco Murray. That's really it. Those were the two running backs, the quarterback you had, and the best receiver on the team was a tight end. Now, the era ended because Witten retired, Romo retired, and Murray retired after leaving them and going to the Eagles and Titans and bouncing around. And Marion Barber ended up retiring too. So everybody retired on that team and left. Now, Prescott takes Romo's job. Because Romo was injured at one point during the season, which would be his last. And Prescott took over. So he ended up being out after that. He ended up retiring after that. So Prescott took his job. Ezekiel Elliott was drafted the year after. DeMarco Murray was traded. Now you have Ezekiel Elliott. Then Jason Witt retires. Now last season you land Amari Cooper. Now you have your top three right there. Amari Cooper is your top receiver. Your top running back is... Ezekiel Elliott, and your top quarterback is Dak Prescott. Now, all three guys are essential to the future of the Dallas Cowboys. However, on that same note, you want to do everything you can to keep them because they have been the example of consistency in the Cowboys organization, especially for the last few years that they've been in Dallas. You cannot lose that. So for the Dallas Cowboys, this is important. You never want to say anything that angers the player to leave. Now you have Jerry Jones coming in and saying, responding to a comment that was stated about Ezekiel Elliott. He was asked about the status of the holdout and if an update for Ezekiel Elliott, if he will be coming back soon. And Jerry Jones's answer is Zeke who? Yes, you heard that right. Zeke who? I'm sorry. I think it's the Ezekiel Elliott that has carried your team for the last two years outside of Prescott who has been struggling to keep the team afloat in the passing game. I mean, he's got some weapons. Don't get me wrong. He's got some great receivers up there. Michael Gallup. You have Amari Cooper. I mean, the receiving core is absolutely fine right now for these Cowboys. But 
you also have to look into what these guys have done over their three years on the team already with Prescott and Elliott. I mean, let's put it this way. These three players, these two players on their own, have not allowed the Cowboys to have a losing record in the last three years. I mean, look, their first season together in 2016, they went 13-3. and Were considered Super Bowl contenders. 2017, their second season, they went 9-7. and Missed the playoffs, but they went 9-7 and nonetheless, got a winning record. In last year, they went 10-6 and in their third seasons and brought them to the playoffs where they would be knocked out in the divisional round by the LA Rams. Didn't matter though. The fact is, these guys are keeping them winning. And losing either one of them is not something you can afford right now. So by Jerry Jones making that comment, he may have just ended any chance of Elliott coming back soon. That means you got to throw a few more million dollars on the table to even have him consider coming back. It's an extreme disrespect to the organization, and it's an extreme disrespect to Ezekiel Elliott and his talent. As great as Tony Pollard is, and as much as it could be a James Conner situation, don't assume things early because he had one great game. That is something you have to take and understand. Final thing I want to talk about here as a top story of the week is Andrew Luck. So let's just think about this a second with Andrew Luck's situation. He get, he's, gets hurt again. He's dealing with an injury. At first, they didn't think it was that serious. It was something small. He should be back in no time. They did further tests. They found out it's more serious than they thought it has to do with this ankle. Now, he's looking at missing time. So right now, when you're looking at Andrew Luck, you've got to think about this important, this important factor. How soon will he be back, and can any of the quarterbacks get them in shape again? Can they keep the Colts afloat in the meantime? I don't know if that can happen. I mean, think about it. The hope's already fading for Luck to be ready for week one. I don't think he'll be ready. So by the time the regular season hits, he's probably not going to be starting. He will be out probably for at least one or two games. And the sooner he's back, the better for them. So if the case is that Andrew Luck, by the way, is 29 years old and getting ready to hit 30 now, so he's at his peak years right now, because Andrew Luck is in this situation, the Colts now have to think about who can they start week one if he does not play. We They're going to test all their quarterbacks out, and they're going to make sure who's ready to go, who's going to be consistent, who's going to have the best chance to get them to win. So in order to do that, let's look at the Browns and Colts game that was played this week. Luck's absence for these first few games could hurt them very much. But after watching the quarterbacks play, I can safely say that the Colts will not have any issues. Now, why am I saying this? I think the Colts will be fine because I watched not only Jacoby Brissett do well, I saw success from Chad Kelly, and I saw success pretty much from the other backup. These guys have been doing well. I mean, Philip Walker had a great game. Philip Walker had a great game. Jacoby Brissett went 8 for 10 for 100 yards passing and a touchdown. And he started the game. And Chad Kelly went 12 and 17 
for 115 yards and a touchdown. Not a single turnover came from any of these quarterbacks. So out of all these, out of all the players, I had to sit here and think, who do I think is going to be ready for week one? Who's got the best chance? Out of all three quarterbacks, the logical option is to start Brissette because Brissette's been there longer. He knows the system better. The underdog in me and the knowledge and youth motive is telling me, based off the film I've watched, to say that Chad Kelly should start. Now, why do I think Chad Kelly should start? I think Chad Kelly's got a better shot because of the teams that are going to be playing to start the season. So let's say in the event that Luck misses two, three games, okay? Let's say it's the worst-case scenario, three, three games. The first two are away games. The first game of the season is against the Chargers in Los Angeles. You need to win that game. You have to get it. It's the thing that's going to define your season right there. That's your statement day. That's your statement game. The second week, you're playing the Titans in Tennessee. You're playing an offense that's been rejuvenated. You're playing one of the best defenses in the league. You have to figure out a way to beat them. The Titans have one of the best defenses in the league right now. So the fact that you're going to take, that you're going to have to deal with that, you need a quarterback that's going to get some action and change the game up. Someone they haven't seen play. Because trust me, there's plenty of film of Jacoby Brissett playing. There hasn't been much change. The thing that they have to focus on is using somebody that they don't know how to handle. Chad Kelly's the guy. Chad Kelly proved himself well when he was with the Broncos last season. But because of the off-field issues he had, they let him go. It was a serious accusation with the with something that happened off the field. But nonetheless, it shouldn't have affected the job he had because it had nothing to do with his job. It was something he did off the field. Sure, they're going to argue, oh, he should be off the team. But at the same note, you're letting a guy who has immense talent go. The quarterback from Old Miss. So now the Colts have him. He's obviously not had any other issues so far. And he's proven himself to still have that amazing talent. Nothing's changed in that year he's been out of the league. So is it worthy to give him the start? In my book, yes. Yes. Think about it. A guy no one's seen film of taking over and guiding the Indianapolis Colts through the... Chargers who made the playoffs last year. The Titans who have one of the best defenses in the league. And then in week three, if they can pull off a win over the Atlanta Falcons in Indianapolis, a 3-0 and start before luck comes back, that's perfect. And on that note, the fans no longer have to worry about having a quarterback there that's not, that can pick up, that can't pick up the slack. That's something they want. You want a backup quarterback that can help in situations like that. Because think about it, luck got hurt. And sat out for almost two seasons before last season. And the Colts couldn't get anything going with Brissette. So you need someone that's going to keep things in check while he's gone. I mean, think about all the great backup quarterbacks we know of all time. Trent Dilfer stepped in in 2001 when their starting quarterback was benched. They put him in. They went to the Super Bowl and beat the Giants. Trent Dilfer became a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Doug Williams was playing in the USFL at one point after his role with Tampa, and then the league folded and the Redskins called him. The Redskins signed him. Now, he's filling in as a backup quarterback for somebody, and 
He brings the Redskins to the Super Bowl and wins. I mean, think about this. Just for a second. You could go down as one of the greatest backup quarterbacks of all time if you can keep things upright. You want a backup that's going to leave a legacy being one of the greatest ever play behind a starter. You kind of want that legacy. You can make your legacy in many different ways. This is one way that I think makes sense for Chad Kelly and the Indianapolis Colts. He's got immense talent, and plus, again, if luck gets hurt at any point, you have a guy you can rely on to keep everything good and make sure there's nothing wrong. Because the Colts are a very talented team, and this could be their year. It could be their year to go all the way to the Super Bowl. It could be, as long as things go to plan. So, yeah, that's the Colts situation here. And that concludes all the top stories for this week, of week two. So, moving on, we're going to go into my, the Sideline Statsman's, debate topic of the week. I'm going to post something on Instagram and Twitter listing a debate topic. And it's also the one that's mentioned that I'm going to mention right now. This debate topic, you guys can comment on, you can like, you can reply, whatever you want to do. But I will be taking those comments and I will take the best one I hear, the best response, I meant, and I may just mention it in my ne- in next week's podcast. So keep an eye out. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at tstatsman and on Instagram at the.sideline.statsman. You go there and you'll see a post. Here's the topic this week. And don't be afraid to comment. Andy Dalton has been nothing but enough for the Cincinnati Bengals throughout his whole career. He's done okay. But at this rate, okay is not enough anymore. It's not going to cut it for the Cincinnati Bengals. At this rate, I never had a problem with him except for the last couple years where they could not make the playoffs. So here's where things come into play. When I talk about Andy Dalton here, I want to hear from you guys. Is Andy Dalton's career done? Is it over? He has not shown up well in the preseason. Now, I understand this is the preseason and you're playing against, you're not really trying. But at the same time, Andy Dalton has to look out because right now his job is in jeopardy. He's 31 years old and he's on his way out. He is. He's on his way out soon. Last season... He had 21 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, and threw for just over 2,500 yards. And that was a season that was cut, that was inconsistent because he has health problems. His completion percentage throughout his career has been a 62.3. Okay, not terrible, but not good. His passing yards have amassed over 28,000. He's had 188 touchdowns and 104 interceptions. His pass rating is an 88.8. That's not something you want to be proud of. For me... Andy Dalton's career is over. Well, not really his career. I'll rephrase that. I think his time in Cincinnati is done. He could get a job somewhere else. Don't get me wrong. He could be working soon for, uh, who knows, the backup of somebody like Blake Bortles is. But right now, unless he goes off this season and goes on a tear without A.J. Green with him by his side, 
I don't see a chance for Andy Dalton to keep his job. I think this will be his last season with the Cincinnati Bengals, and for good reason. As much as he his interceptions are not as high, you should never even be close to that number. You should never have less than a dozen interceptions of separation from your touchdowns. So if you're a quarterback in college, and I know it's weird because I'm going to college here, but I'm just going to bring this up. Let's say you throw for 37 touchdowns and 8 interceptions, and your completion percentage is over 70%, and you've thrown for over, let's say you threw over 3,000 yards. That is something they're going to take a note of, and something teams are going to want to go after and take for their team. That's a first-round pick right there. That's a franchise guy. Now, if you are a quarterback who's got, a, let's say, 25 touchdowns, but you've also thrown 16, 17 interceptions, and you've thrown for over 3,000 yards as well, and your completion percentage is about is a little less than him. It's about 65, 66. Do you think they're going to go after you as much as they're going to go after that guy? No. Now, why? Because you make a lot of mistakes that they don't that they don't want to have to deal with. You are making rookie mistakes. You're more likely to make mistakes, and they don't want to have to deal with a player who makes so many of them. Dalton has made a lot of mistakes, and they've always been in crucial moments, and that's something you don't want for your team. You want to make sure that your quarterback is consistent. You want to make sure he's someone who can take your team to the next level and can get your guys to the playoffs. Earlier on in his career, I could have told you, yeah, I see it. I could have said, yeah, I think he's fine. I could have agreed with you on any of those things. But over the last couple seasons, no, I can't. I mean, here's why I'm going to compare it from last season. Last season statistics, Andy Dalton was 25th in the league in passing yards. He tied for 17th in touchdowns, tied for 15th in interceptions, and his QBR was 15th in the league. It's all middle of the road. You don't want a quarterback who's middle of the road. I mean, honestly, that's not something you want. If that's what you want, then you should not be here. You should not be a coach You should not be even anywhere near football if you think mediocre is good. Mediocre is not good enough. Okay? Ask, ask, let me, let me tell you. The 85 Bears are always regarded as one of the greatest teams of all time. But it was never for their offense. It was always for the defense. Why wasn't they really cared about the offense? It was all Walter Payton. They had great protection on the O-line. They had a great running back. They had legitimate receivers. Their quarterback was mediocre. But why were they so good? Because the defense took care of the job and he had the weapons around him to get the job done. And they were all effective and they were never injured and they always did everything they needed to do. So, with that being said, Dalton is just like that quarterback, Jim McMahon. He's just like him. McMahon is widely regarded as one of the best quarterbacks in Bears Bears history. But he wasn't that great. All he did was get a Super Bowl. That's it. The only one in their history. So, jump back on that. Andy Dalton has had one guy to throw to his whole career, which is A.J. Green, the receiver out of Georgia. Great receiver, but he's always he's got an injury bug he can never shake. Without him, there really haven't been anybody to throw to. Tight ends, receivers. He's got one now, John Ross. Made a big step last season to be that number two guy. But it's not enough. 
Without A.J. Green, it's nothing. And with the run game, they got Joe Mixon now. That's great. And before that, it was Ben Jarvis, Green Ellis, Cedric Benson, which I think was before him. I think that was in um the time of Carson Palmer when he was a starter at the time. And that was back in the day of uh, Jeremy Hill and now older Giovanni Bernard. I mean, let me let me put it into perspective here for everyone. Dalton's best season was in 2013, his third season in the league. It was the only it was the only year he would throw it for over 4,000 yards besides his 2016 campaign, which was pretty good, but at the same rate, it wasn't so crazy that you would be like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Why? Because in 2013, he threw for 33 touchdowns and 20 interceptions. In that 2016 campaign where he threw for over 4,000 yards, it was 18 and 8. It's not great. And for the 33 and 20 year in 2013, you think about it, he only fumbled the ball three times. In 2016, he fumbled it four. His rating was higher as a, overall in 16 and 13. But the big statistic you have to be careful of here is the QB rating. His QB rating was higher in 2013 than 2016. And honestly, if you asked me, Dalton's been falling off. And it's, and it's not entirely his fault. It's his injuries. That, that being said, Andy Dalton has got to go. If he can't fix his act this season, he needs to go out the door. The next draft class coming up is going to be one of the most loaded draft classes of all time. This is going to go down as one of the most talented draft classes ever. Think about all the quarterbacks next year that qualify for the draft. Tua Tagovailoa, Jake Fromm, you have Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert. I mean, come on. There are so many quarterbacks to pick from. You can at least get one to rely on for a future. I mean, I watched Ryan Finley, the fifth-round pick from NC State, tear up a defense for the Bengals in Week 2 of the preseason. He did an amazing job, and I'm very impressed by the kid. He's got starting potential written all over him. And if he performs and he gets the chance to start, I think he can make the most of it. More than what Dalton does. I think Dalton's been spoiled with that position. And now, he better fight. He better fight for that spot. Because being mediocre isn't going to cut it anymore. This is his make-or-break season. If he doesn't prove himself, he's out. And if they don't let him go, the, the entire franchise is screwed. So yeah, the debate topic of the week is, is Andy Dalton finished in Cincinnati? That is the question. And don't be afraid to tell me like quarterbacks they could draft, what you think they should do, situations. I don't, whatever you want to do, let your heart's desire speak. Okay? That's all I'm saying. I think Andy Dalton's done. You guys may not agree with me, or maybe you do. Let me know on Instagram and on Twitter. Which leads us to our last topic of the day. The winners and the losers of preseason week two. Now, I can't lie to you. This was a tough week for everyone. I mean, Kyler Murray had an off week. We had, I mean, he only threw for 12 yards passing. It was, it was horrible. Um, Daniel Jones had a decent week. 
Dwayne Haskins took a big step up this week. A lot of guys did very well. A lot of guys didn't. It's very mixed. So I'm going to go with what I observed, and I'm going to start off with my winner of this week. And that is going to be, and don't be shocked by this, Taysom Hill. Now, why is Taysom Hill the winner for this week for the New Orleans Saints? I mean, the way I watched him move and command the offense against the Vikings defense was absolutely nothing short of amazing. He went 11 for 15 for 136 yards and two touchdowns. And then on top of that, he had five carries for 53 yards. If you guys don't know who Taysom Hill is, I'll tell you right now. Taysom Hill is currently the punt returner and the overall returner for the New Orleans Saints. I mean, I've seen the kid take punt returns all the way back for touchdowns already. He is incredible speed, like a receiver. And he's a quarterback. He reminds me of a very fast version of Michael Vick. Like Lamar Jackson is being compared to him. But the problem is, Michael Vick could throw very well too. So that was something he was always good at. This kid can too. Maybe even better than Vick. If this kid is as great as I think he is, if he gets a starting opportunity, I guarantee you he will have a bigger legacy on the NFL than Michael Vick. Mark my words. If he gets the chance to start. He had a better game than Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater did not do well. I'm going to be honest. He did not do as well as last week. But Taysom Hill dominated in every way. When something opened up and he felt pressure on him, he booked it. And when he booked it, he would go for like 10, 20 yards running down the field. He was not only... Now, a lot of you guys are also going to say, oh, he was throwing short passes, screens. Okay? Maybe a few of the completions were. But the majority of them were downfield. He was making deep throws and taking time in the pocket. He was even running out of the pocket, setting his feet, and hurling it down the field for 30 yards, 30, 40 yards. I mean, come on. There's nothing else to say here. Taysom Hill is my winner this week. He proved he can be the future for Drew Brees. When Drew Brees leaves, he proved he can be that quarterback. He'll bring in a new era of dual-threat offense to the Saints. And Sean Payton can work with that. Which brings me, unfortunately, to the loser of the week. You guessed it. It's the Denver Broncos as a whole. So, this comes to a surprise to many people because of mainly just the fact that even though Emmanuel Sanders came back, he only had one catch and only did something on one play for 19 yards. That's it. That's it. Okay, it's great to see that he's back in shape. He's good to go. He's ready to go. Okay, here was where my issue is. Joe Flacco is the only quarterback who had a strong game. He had a, he, and it wasn't even that strong. It was decent. It was enough to prove, okay, maybe you should start. So, like, watching this QB battle between Joe Flacco, Drew Locke, and Kevin Hogan is like, it's like watching three cats fighting for a fish that's already half eaten. There's no point to it. You're just getting the leftovers. Here's how I'm going to word it in the best way possible. The Denver Broncos are in a different scenario now, and they're in what I call a danger zone. Now, when I say danger zone, I'm talking about 
how the team is not only struggling offensively but defensively. They could not stop the 49ers, led by Nick Mullins, C.J. Beathard, Jimmy Garoppolo. Garoppolo had a bad game. He went one for six. Okay, cool. He started the game. I understand. But Nick Mullins took over and he got points on the board. C.J. Beathard took over and got points on the board. The Broncos did not even get points on the board. They couldn't. The final score of the game was 24 to 13. Okay? Okay. Joe Flacco, okay, decent game. Drew Locke had to leave the game early. And even up to that point, he was mediocre at best. His injury has now put a little bit of a hamper on the quarterback competition and for the team itself. Drew Locke got injured in in mid-game and is now looking at missing significant amount of time during the season. As in, when they say significant, they mean more than half the season. So now, the Broncos are stretched thin at quarterback. It is now Flacco and Hogan fighting. And we already know Flacco's going to win it. Because Hogan couldn't even get a completion percentage over 50%. He only completed five passes the whole game. Are you kidding me? And as for the run game, I mean, I understand that Phil Lindsay didn't play, and it was pretty much Royce Freeman as a mean guy, but the most rushing yards, the player with the most rushing yards that game was Kevin Hogan. And he had just over 20-something yards. Okay? So I don't want to hear that the Broncos are going to be great, are going to not suck this year. Because right now, the way that things have gone... I think there's a good chance that the Denver Broncos are screwed and that they're going to get a top five pick in the draft, which is a good thing, but also a bad thing because you don't want to be bad. You want to be good every year. And right now, you're not proving it. Number one thing right now is that Flacco stays healthy. You need to make sure that Flacco stays healthy because given his medical history over the last couple years, the Broncos need to make sure that nothing happens to him because if they lose him early, Kevin Hogan has to take over. And at that point, you're looking at an 0-16 season right there. You're looking at not winning any more games with Kevin Hogan at the helm. It's over. So right now, the Broncos are my loser of the week, not because of only the injury to block, but the fact that Flacco is the only one doing well and that the QB competition is is flawed and not doing well because the other quarterbacks they have fighting for it are not at the same level. And Flacco is looking about 34, 35 years old now? Yeah. He's been quarterback for the Ravens since 2008. It's time. Somebody needs to step up. And Flacco shouldn't be the only one. So yeah, Denver, you're the loser this week. You got to figure your stuff out. And soon. Because time is running out for you in mile high. Please. And thank you. That's going to do it for today's episode of the Pigskin Pulpit. I want to thank you guys for listening and tuning in. 
Follow us on Twitter at TStatsman and on Instagram at the.sideline.statsman. I'm your host of Sideline Statsman. Don't forget to comment on our debate topic post. We'll see you next time. Have a great day, everyone.